Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast, a high vibe space where we talk about all things spirituality, manifestation, raising our vibrations and walking away from the manifestation block that is alcohol. Whether you're newly sober, sober curious or you've been sober for a long time, this is the place for you if you want to learn more about spirituality, manifestation and how letting go of alcohol can make you so much more powerful at manifesting. It's time to stop drinking, start living, raise our vibrations and step into our manifestation power. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alcohol-Free Vibes podcast and welcome to September. I love September. I love the energy that the Virgo moon brings, the energy of organisation, of fresh starts, getting everything sorted, clearing space um, and I just absolutely love the the run up to Christmas and the, 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 the crisp fresh coldness that autumn brings in the UK. It's just delicious. Um, Those of you that managed to come along to my workshop with the Mindful Life Practice on Friday, I I loved teaching it. Thank you all for coming. Um, And if you weren't able to make it, then I really recommend that you uh, check out the Mindful Life Practice um, they are such an awesome online yoga community um, run by the Sober Yoga Girl herself, Alex McRobbs. Such a great community of sober yogi, so supportive. Um, and I, I love doing workshops for the Mindful Life Practice. They're just such a great community to be a part of. So I'll pop the link in the show notes for those of you who would like to get involved with that. Um, so yeah, in today's episode, I am having Danielle back on. So Danielle was in one of my earlier podcasts. She is uh, a little bit, sort of a little bit famous on Instagram, I'd say, in the sober community. Uh, her hashtag is at DC is alcohol free. She's much better at Instagram than I am. Um, and she's such an interesting, inspiring person to talk to um, about sobriety. Um, and in today's chat, we discuss shamanic deaths. Um, And as you know, those of you that listen to this podcast regularly, I am obsessed with manifesting, with manifestation, with spirituality, with basically with growth, with growing, with up-leveling, with getting the absolute most out of life. And alcohol-free living is all about that, right? It's about getting the most out of life. And that is what all of my coaching is focused on. I am not about lack mentality. I'm not about feeling deprived because we're not drinking alcohol. I mean, there is absolutely nothing to miss. Alcohol does nothing but hold us back and stop us from healing and growing. Um, but for me, really, the, the letting go of alcohol is just step one. And that's when we get to move on to the really good stuff, the really exciting stuff where we can really start to make shifts happen in our life. Now, with all of that growth comes comes bumps in the road, comes pain, actually. Uh, and I'm not saying this to be a party pooper because it's all a beautiful part of the process, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows. When we grow, when we show up for healing, we, we go through things. Um, and it's really important that when we do this, that we see 
we see that as a helpful healing part of our process and we know how to show up for it. So it's for this reason that Danielle and I wanted to come on to the podcast today and and talk to you about shamanic deaths, what they mean to us um, and and ways of, of managing our nervous systems really when we are going through them. Um, so without further ado, I will jump in now to the interview with Danielle. Of course, any of you listening to this interview, if you are intrigued or if you feel like you're going through a shamanic death at the moment and you would like some coaching and support with that, do reach out to me. Um, I'll put all my links in the show notes as usual, but you can email me on thrive at coachingbyannika.co.uk. Annika is spelled A-N-N-E-K-A. You can send me a DM um, to at Coaching by Annika, or you can check my website out www.coachingbyannika.co.uk. I do have group coaching options which are very affordable as well as one to one coaching options. So, without further ado, let's hop in now and meet the lovely Danielle. <laughs> Hello, Danielle. How are you today? Hello, lovely Annika. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. It's really good to have you back on the podcast. Um, before we get, me. Oh, my pleasure. Before we get going, um, would you just like to kind of say hi to everyone and remind everyone who you are and what you do? Sure. Yes. So I am Danielle. Um, I am alcohol free and have been so for uh, just over a year now. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess um, what I do, I mean, I um, in my day to day work, I work for an IT consultancy. But in my non day to day work, I'm interested in all things wellness. So uh, being alcohol free, obviously being one of them um, nutrition, movement, yoga, breath work, all of the, you know, the lovely things that make feel great so um yeah that's me just to add something in there I would describe you as a sober hero um in that you know you've got a very good Instagram presence and I know that you inspire lots and lots of people in the sober scene so you definitely I think you need to put that in your bio sober oh thank you I love that thank you sober hero I'll wear yeah. that <laughs> gonna get gonna get me a cape and wear my pants over my uh, trousers now oh, I think we should do that that would be great <laughs> <laughs> we'll make them nice pants yeah always <laughs> um okay so I've brought Danielle on today because we wanted to discuss shamanic deaths with um with you all for you all with each other um uh, because um well this is this is off the back of us having a really good combo um, in the last few months about shamanic deaths and we thought we could come online and share it with you all so welcome and uh, buckle up because here we go so let's start off with um, defining what we think a shamanic death is so Danielle what what's a shamanic death um I think a shamanic death is very much a shedding of skin mm-hmm. um almost yeah likening it to any you know kind of creature that sheds its skin um, and is is a new afterwards, but probably goes through a bit of an uncomfortable process in that time. So I think it's the death of, you know, an older version of you, maybe um, something that's not serving you anymore, maybe a way of living that's not serving you anymore. I feel like when I went alcohol free, that was a shamanic death for me. It was literally living my life in a very, very different way to I usually did. And my default settings were all out of whack. 
Um, you know, I had to find other coping mechanisms for when I felt not not so great and um, was going through a breakup at the time. So obviously I had to do a lot of that at the time. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just a, a shedding of skin, I think. Um, and just embracing that discomfort, knowing that um, it is not it, it's not the end of something, you know, that you have to mourn, per se. But it's usually and I, I'm i using an analogy I actually heard on a different podcast recently, and I can't credit them, I'm afraid, because I can't remember who it was. But they described it as not shamanic healing or sh shamanic death, but they described th this kind of growth that's actually beneficial for you and painful still mm -hmm. a gift from the universe wrapped in thorns. So Ooh. it's 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 painful, you know, yes. sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's, it's like, why is this happening to me sometimes? And you might be, you know, a little bit in despair as to, you know, why why a turn of events is happening. But really what it is, is something that's going to help you grow and spur you along. Mm -hmm. And then you realize at the end when you've got something brand new, you know, whether it be a way of living or um, a situation or a person or a person's gone and you feel so much better. It's that gift wrapped in thorns from the universe that um, it initially felt not very nice. And then it, in the end, you realize you trusted your intuition. You've gone with it and you've kind of grown out the other side. So that that's my interpretation of it. I absolutely love the description of the gift wrapped in thorns. Um, I couldn't agree more. And I've also heard them described as like rock bottoms um, where or, or this kind of um, image of the universe pulling the rug from under your feet. And as far as I understand it, you know, we can have these um, shamanic deaths sometimes when, you know, we're so out of alignment as to where we need to go to live our purpose or to get what we want. And we've ignored the signs for so long that the universe has to literally kind of give us a little bit of a slap around the face and be like, excuse me, love, you're supposed to be going that way. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what? But um, and yeah, I, I agree with it's it's a it's a magical, wonderful thing, but it's also horrible. <laughs> and that's all a part of the process because that your world needs to come crumbling down around your ankles so that you can start from scratch and have that blank canvas and, and build it up again. And a lot of it, as far as I understand as well, is sometimes we can be really, really held back by by our deepest fears. And often with a shamanic death, what it forces us to do is to confront those fears and to realize like, oh, all of those things have happened and um, ev everything's actually said okay uh oh i'll just i'll just pick pick myself up shall i and oh, i'll just crack on okay <laughs> everything was all right in the end um so it in so many ways it's just such a, a healing period of growth but i think it's really comforting and helpful to to talk about it in this way and to raise awareness around it because when we don't know um what a shamanic death is or a rock bottom is or whatever you want to call them when they're happening they can be so overwhelming to the nervous system and when we can reframe them and understand them for what they are then we can we can become empowered in the moment rather than feeling like totally defeated by them right absolutely yeah i think you know, our knee jerk reaction in life is to find comfort immediately, especially when we're going through discomfort, we immediately want comfort. And I suppose that this ties in with the alcohol side of things, you know, where, um, you know, we will 
have a drink sometime you know yesteryear we would have had a drink to soothe you know ourselves or you know maybe a really stressful day oh I'll have a glass of wine you know that kind of thing Um, and when it comes to discomfort for instance going alcohol free um and it is just coincidental I'm talking about alcohol free being on your podcast but uh, (laughs) that is the biggest probably the biggest shamanic death I've been through in the last few years um, I think when you have when you decide and make the conscious decision to sit with feelings, um, you re- you actually realize you know who you are, um, so you start to really go through the healing process. And say, for instance, you know something hits your life, and it's one of those things that's happening, and and it's really uncomfortable, or you know something happens. When you're alcohol free, you have to stare that down. You know, you you there unless you turn to something else that you 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 know that gives you the comfort, um, as maybe alcohol did, um, you know, you really do. You have to sit with it. You you can't get rid of the feelings. So when you're conscious with that and you sit with those feelings, you, your healing accelerates. Mm. So actually, you get to the other side. You know, the shamanic death is happening if you were to try and drink through that and then you're feeling extra pain and stuff, you know, and, and eventually you might get through to the other side. It's a very, very long and drawn out road. Whereas if you remove all the things that are distracting you from just sitting with that thing and growing with it and growing from it, then I think things happen super fast and you get to that really nice bit very, very quickly. I agree. And and what I'm hearing you saying there, Danielle, is that really when we numb, when we drink, we press pause. Um, and actually, we don't want to be in the kind of pit of that death for longer than we have to be. We need to be there for as long as we need to take the learning that we need to grow and to up level. But really, we want to accelerate out of the rut as soon as we have the fuel and the understanding to be able to accelerate and it's it's the rut itself that gives us the real power to accelerate out of it and and to to soar really really high but the more we numb and um the more we drink alcohol or numb with other means we just weigh ourselves down and, and actually that's that can be what creates a rut where we you know we turn a shamanic death into a, a rut that lasts really quite a long time years even because we are basically sticking our fingers in our ears and singing la 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 and not wanting to take the learning from the universe and as you say as soon as we bravely show up and go come on then hit me what what do you need me to know let me sit with this then actually we accelerate we can move through that so much quicker than you you might think absolutely and I've had times over the last year where I've had to obviously sit with uncomfortable feelings and I've literally sat there crying my eyes out going I know there's a bloody lesson in here somewhere, but I don't know what it is yet. But thank you, universe. <laughs> you know, it's so bizarre to be sitting there thankful for feeling so awful because, you know, there's a lesson in there. Mm. And and also, whilst you were talking there, Annika, I was thinking consciousness really comes into it, doesn't it? There's nothing like a test of your actual mindfulness and your your, you know, self-awareness you know than there is to sit with an uncomfortable feeling yes we can go into nature and go isn't this leaf beautiful and oh that sunset's magnificent and oh look at the shape of this plant it's it's it really hits home you know how mindful you can actually be when you can sit with an uncomfortable feeling and go where am I feeling it right it's in my gut what is the feeling how is it how is it feeling um, are there any thoughts connected to this? Okay, there are thoughts. Let's look at those and be actually be there observing yourself as you're go as you're physically feeling discomfort and mentally feeling it as well. 
So I think it's it's a lesson in how to be conscious and mindful as well. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's wonderful to notice things mindfully when, when things are nice or just pretty steady, but to sit there and feel that uncomfortable feeling almost being, I think it's as Eckhart Tolle puts it, um, you know, the observer of your thoughts, also the observer of your, your, your whole being, you know, and looking at it going, okay, so the feeling is here and the thoughts are, oh, and that, that thought has just come into my head. Let's look at that thought and, and actually shine a torch on it. You know, it's ultimate awareness. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to observe oneself when we when we're feeling dysregulated really um is such a power. And you know, through sobriety, through mindfulness practices, we we are continuously creating space in our lives, that space, that gap between um having a, a feeling and then acting on it or numbing it or or reacting in whatever way we might have done in the past. It's that space whereby we can stand back and observe ourselves with curiosity and just go, oh, that's interesting. I'm feeling really angry. And and I love that, that, that phrase, that's interesting. The more I can use that about myself, however dysregulated I'm feeling, that I think the more in, in my power I am. And I'm going to go back to that word dysregulated, actually, because, you know, when we're looking at the nervous system, um, when we're feeling regulated, we're in uh, rest and digest and, you know, we're feeling great and we can we can use all of our brain. We can make really balanced decisions. We can tap into our intuition. And really, a lot a lot of life is about learning how to manage ourselves when we're feeling dysregulated, we're in fight or flight. Um, and of course, being going through a shamanic death is hugely dysregulating for our nervous system um, and being able to bring ourselves back to um, a state of balance is really, really important. Um, I mean, is that something that you feel that you've got better at in sobriety, being able to regulate yourself? Absolutely, because mm. you automatically have to find new ways to regulate yourself again. And, you know, when I, you know, I've had dry stints before I've done this, like I'm, I'm over a year now, but I had dry stints before where I was white knuckling and I would still, I'd still be massively dysregulated. I wasn't really working with my sobriety. I was just trying to fit, make it fit into my world yeah. rather than fit my world around it. And, and once I did that finally last year and made my, I kind of became obsessed with it. And I think that's kind of different strokes for different folks that worked for me making it my everything it hasn't lasted like that and I'm very much now there's a lot of balance in my life but I then when I embraced all things sobriety and almost wore it like an identity like I am a sober person first and foremost and I'm this and I'm that and the other um then I had to think well as a sober person so what does sober me do now when I'm you know when I'm feeling dysregulated which I, which I was feeling massively dysregulated uh, even around this time last year because um if I think about it, it was the end of August the breakup had happened a few weeks ago and um, we were discussing house stuff we just bought a house you know the dog there was a lot of, of emotional attachment the rug had been pulled under it was quite literally a shaman a shamanic death happening and um, mm. very much you know for a few months and what I did was um immediately I knew I had to let emotions out because there was bubbling emotions there was almost you know a cascade of emotions coming out of me and I you know I knew the worst thing to do would be to push them down because that's what I did with drinking you know I'd cry a little bit and then have a glass of wine and go oh I feel so much better when I didn't you know I didn't feel better it was just numb and you know anesthesia basically mm. um, 
but having to sit there, I would just cry it out and know that, you know, actually this is really good from a chemical perspective. Cortisol is coming out of my tears. So that's going to be a release and um, walking in nature. So taking the dog out for a walk as, as much as possible and being in that real mother nature environment, that nurturing environment and, um, you know, leaning on family and friends just for moral support, you know, not even in person. You know, my family live in Dublin, but my auntie Caroline uh, was my rock through that from a distance and I would pick up the phone anytime and she'd, she'd talk with me. So talking really helped as well. So it was very much all of the things that were bubbling up inside me, getting them out. And then when I got to a point where it was like the floods of emotions were not quite there and I was starting to regulate myself again in terms of that, it was learning internal processes. So making sure I had a regular meditation practice, making sure whenever I did feel discomfort, doing my, you know, breath work, you know, box yeah. breathing or any kind of breathe, just in through your nose, out through your mouth, as simple as that sometimes, very slowly. Um, and and then, you know, it, it's a bit of a journey, isn't it? It's an evolution. So then, you know, I'm starting to regulate even more. And then I'm figuring out, right, actually, I want to have a bit more fun in my life now because everything's been so intense. So then, you know, hanging out with like-minded people. So finding sober groups and, and going to things like comedy clubs or gigs and things like that, or just individuals meeting up with them and having great chats about sobriety and how our lives have changed. And then feeling that that tribe kind of mentality as well, that really helped. And, and you know, it's no coincidence. You talk about sh shamanism and, and tribes, you know, it's all very interlinked, mm. you know, feeling connected, feeling connected to not just nature, but people, you know, like minded people. So all of those things collectively just pushed me through. And I just embraced every last bit of that and just made sure everything that was I was reading, I was listening to, I was doing was aligned with I want to stay sober first and foremost but also I want to I want to regulate myself as well yeah. my emotions and my feelings and my behaviors thanks so much yeah and I couldn't agree more like I love how you've got the you've you've got the tips there for regulation but you're also talking about the kind of phases of listening to yourself and what you need as you're coming out of that and I just want to kind of add this caveat to whoever's listening, because, you know, the way that we're describing shamanic death here is very intense and, and they are very intense, but it's not just pain for the sake of pain. Like a shamanic death, as much as it might be uncomfortable, is actually a hugely exciting thing because it's like your pot um, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is literally within your reach and you just need to go through this huge shift in your identity, really, in order to raise your vibrations enough to to get to get that pot of gold and you talked a lot about identity there um but in in my experience when i've had shamanic deaths like they might have felt unbelievably overwhelming at the time and like my world had just ended but then really quite quickly i've my life's gone from not to 100 and i'm like oh my goodness everything's amazing like i don't know if you've ever had that experience where you you know you thought your world was over and then you're like no actually everything's amazing. Absolutely. And you notice things about yourself in this new version of yourself that you didn't really have before, like, you know, you're, you're calmer in situations that you would have felt a little bit more stressed in before. 
Mm. Or you immediately go back to that whole, oh, this is interesting kind of um, curiosity about any kind of feelings. Like even if it's mega excitement or elation or all the way through to, oh, gosh, I felt a real pang in my stomach then and, and a real anxiety, a wave of anxiety. That's interesting. What's, you know, and you, you kind of play it back in your mind. What just happened? That person and they did that. And, oh, OK, I get it. And you can move on so much quicker you know yeah. and stay stay in this lovely kind of um I'm not saying it's all um you know sunshine and rainbows all the time but you're pretty like you're pretty regulated in as far as you're very um content a lot of the time do you find that you're you're very much content and you have more highs than massive lows and when you do have a low you can you can process it much quicker and better yeah, what you're really sort of describing there, I think, is that it makes you more resilient um, and that um, really when we're regulating our nervous system, what we are um, learning to do is improve our vagal tone. So our vagal tone is basically our ability to come from back from fight or flight back to rest and digest. And I mean, we all get triggered. It's completely normal. It's completely normal for someone to trigger us probably on a daily basis. But what we're aiming for is a quick comeback rate, as Gabby Bernstein puts it. Um, or as Dr. Nicola Pera taught me um, in, in her book, How to Do the Work, it's allosasis. It's our it's our it's our um, ability to come back to baseline um and it's like a muscle isn't it and and what you're saying there yeah I, I totally get it is that when we go through these shamanic deaths it's like a boot camp for the nervous system <laughs> it makes yeah. you really strong and resilient and able to re-regulate yourself if navigated properly now I'm not saying that people have not gone through shamanic deaths and have not come out with really weak vagal tone because you're at, you know you might have you might come out of a shamanic death with PTSD and you might have all sorts of things that you need to heal um so I I mean do you think that if managed badly we can come out of a shamanic death worse than we went in what's your opinion on that I think that we probably will come out feeling worse than we went in because we might have been masking a lot of feelings mm. and then all of a sudden the universe is saying no nope, now is the time this shift is happening so you have to go through it yeah. and you go through it and you probably will come out the other side feeling absolute, like you've been hit by a train, you know, mm. like you run 10 marathons in a row, you're physically exhausted, you're mentally exhausted, but that's your, that's your kind of rock bottom to work from. You've yeah. been through a hell of a time. You've survived it. You've, you've been in survival mode. What you do from that point when you come out the other side and the, whatever the situation is, has kind of subsided what you decide to do from that point, I think, is quite important. Mm -hmm. Do you mask it then? Oh, I'm feeling absolutely crap. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start uh, wrapping myself up in cotton wool, ignore all the, you know, the mental trauma that I'm I'm, I'm going to have to deal with at some point. Or do you sit there and say, how can I help myself? Like, how can I do this in the most helpful way possible for my brain and my body? And like you say, how can I get my vagal tone under control? you know, and not be in a state of um, sympathetic nervous system constantly, that fight or flight. How can I channel all of this um, nervous energy um, and into something positive maybe? Should I start running? You know, maybe I'm, I can expend that nervous energy and then in turn be able to have that calm period afterwards. Because some people say for them, running or walking is a meditative practice. Yeah you know, you're out in nature generally, you're moving your body, you're getting your heart rate going. And then when that heart rate slows down, 
you know, you naturally have to kind of get your breath under control and, you know, calm that down. So are you going to do that or are you going to, um, you know, go down the pub, you know, and have yeah. those 10 drinks that will, you know, you think will calm you down, but actually they're going to put you out of regulation, you know, dysregulate you even further. So I think, yes, you probably can feel absolutely frazzled after that. But it's about being conscious and about tuning into what your body and brain really need and not masking anything, being brave, actually, and just staring things down and saying, "Okay, well, I'm going to work with what I've got and I'm going to reach out and get support and I'm going to try and do this in the most helpful way possible. I love how you've just explained that. And you're absolutely right. It's about being brave. And as you say, it's about you know, it's so tempting when we feel like we've been dragged through a hedge backwards and we come through a shamanic death. It's so tempting just to want to self-soothe and and go and, you know, do something like drink alcohol to numb. But what you're saying is the absolute mo- most authentic way to self-soothe is actually to say, how can I heal? Um, and to use every single healing modality you have at your fingertips, everything that resonates with you, and to bravely show up and do the healing. Um, instead of doing what society's always taught us to do, which is to numb. And I just want to add this caveat, actually, that anyone who's listening to this thinking, oh, I definitely had a shamanic death and I did it wrong because I just drank my way through it. I want you to remove any shame that we attach to that because... We were told, we've all been told for so long that we should numb uncomfortable feelings. We're told as children, don't cry, have some chocolate, have some sweeties. We, as soon as we get to a drinking age, it's, oh, go home and have a nice glass of wine. You know, we can't blame ourselves for believing what people have told us. And we had to discover for ourselves, right, that you know this whole thing that alcohol makes you feel better is a complete fallacy um so there's no blame or shame here and i know that you and i danielle we've both been there we can hold our hands up and say we've definitely numbed shamanic deaths in the past with alcohol but god it's so wonderful to know what we know now um and i mean i've definitely i can say now like i've i've been through um a shamanic death like my um i think it must have been my what's it called Saturn uh is it Saturn rise no Saturn Saturn returns when I was 29 I um I got married and that lasted about five minutes um and uh, um and I drank my way through my pain and when I say that like I didn't I I did I went out every weekend I think I did have some days off drinking um, but you know, I did very much numb my pain, and that um healing process took a very long time. In fact, I'd say I was in a bit. I had like a seven year rut after that uh, breakup. Um, and having gone through um an other shamanic death, you know, more recently, um, and having to feel the pain like so much more, um clearly and and live in it and really feel it but oh my goodness me the speed at which you move through it as you say it's just so much quicker and you just accelerate out of there so yeah yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's like you say there, it's much harder. I, I too have gone through shamanic deaths, like, like, for instance, about five years ago, a massive trauma that happened. And I, I almost consciously drank through it. Like I, I knew the drinking was not going to help me. However, I just need, I wanted an immediate fix. So sometimes we can even go through a shamanic death and we reach for that thing. It might not be alcohol. It might be like junk food or the things that just make us feel not so great, you know, and we, and our bodies are telling us it's not so great. It might manifest in a bit of IBS or you know fatigue or something like that but I consciously did that you know so I know now what it feels like to drink through it or to lean on a vice through it so now I'm more than happy to you know because I've gone through the breakup last year and the whole thing everything that was attached to that um now that I know that I can go through a big big huge upheaval that made made me feel the most anxious I'd felt in a very long time um sober not leaning on anything as a vice and come out the other side much much quicker you know and used therapy and things like that as well that's one thing I forgot to mention I was already in therapy and that really helped too Mm. you know the healing like you say is so much quicker because you have healed you know you have given your body that healing and all of the nourishment it needs in terms of all of those different facets that make our body and brain feel good and actually regulate um you know and run as they should do so yeah going going through it um you know stone cold sober as they say um is hard probably feels a bit harder but it's so much quicker and you will grow you will actually get that you will unwrap the thorns from that gift really quickly and hold it in your hands going oh my goodness thank you so much universe i did not know that this was going to come out the back of that Totally. And actually going back to um, having therapy, and of course, there are so many different kinds of healing modalities that we can lean on in these times. And we talk about, you know, we we used alcohol in the past to self-soothe, but there are loads of healing modalities that are also forms of self-soothing as well, which are helping us get to where we want to go. So, um, I mean, what would you say in, in terms of like modalities so you talked about therapy have you tried any other healing modalities like what would you recommend to people in this situation um so I think the only healing modalities I've used externally have been um has been therapy I did Reiki a very very long time ago I had a couple of sessions of Reiki which I found very very beneficial um so I can say, you know, hand on heart, it did something to me. You know, the, the very first session I did, I felt very uncomfortable. And then the second, God, I, I must have been about um, maybe 22 at the time. So really, really quite young. Um, and the person doing it was someone I worked with and she was training. Um, I, I believe now she's very, I don't I don't know the qualifications, but she's very high up there. She's, it's it's almost like the karate belts, isn't it? You know, you yeah. get that kind of mega a reiki master. Yeah, I think yeah, she's a reiki yeah, master. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, so she um on in the second session, something really shifted in me, and she said, "Oh my goodness," she said, "You feel lighter like this time." So that upset, and she could feel it. And afterwards, I was like, "Whoa, that was amazing." So I think that reiki is very very healing. Um, yeah. so that's something I have tried. Um, therapy, I've tried different types of therapy. Um, so I've seen three therapists in my lifetime. Uh, that I've seen for extended periods um, and my last therapist did um, uh, an amalgamation of different you know she doesn't just go I'm going to do CBT with you you know she she will assess the person where they're at and mm-hmm. I we use different things all along the way a bit of transactional analysis a bit of um, NLP a bit of CBT and um, you know sometimes just real straight up talking therapy you know just re- real psychotherapy just talking 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 and, and getting stuff out and um, 
and all sorts of different, different things. So I think uh, for me, what I will say about therapy is I was in therapy for three years. Mm -hmm. I was drinking for two of those two of those years. And in the last year, I did the most healing, the most deep trauma work. Um, and I feel that the reason why I came to a natural end is because I cut out drinking and I dealt with everything um, exactly like we've been talking about completely consciously and sat with the horrible feelings. And I didn't drink, you know, I didn't drink when it felt uncomfortable, mm. you know, after a heavy, heavy session or even if it affected me for a few days, I would still sit there with my feelings and deal with it in a, in a helpful way. Um, or maybe I was an RC bitch for a day. You know what I mean? Sometimes we don't deal with it, but I didn't pick up a drink or I didn't reach for, um, you know, a tub of ice cream or whatever. I was just like, no, I'm going to be an RC bitch for a day. And I'm on my own anyway, so I can be an RC bitch to myself <laughs> <laughs> or with myself. Um, so I would say therapy was the most beneficial for me when I wasn't, um, you know, watering it down with something else or reaching for something where I wasn't actually truly feeling the feel it all comes down to feeling the feelings yeah yeah I agree yeah. um and what you're really describing there is just how if you really want to do the work you can't like you can't do it if you're drinking heavily like or no. drinking at all it doesn't I just really don't think you, you get I mean if you you do make some progress of course you do but um, you know what you're describing there is you're literally eking it out as much as possible when you're when you're numbing the whole way through right it just takes so much longer um and yeah I, I agree about the Reiki I mean I've just done my I did my level one Reiki training uh last year and I'm about to see my level two um in October but I love Reiki and don't forget people if you want to self-soothe and it's okay to want to self-soothe there's nothing wrong with taking yourself off for a massage <laughs> mm. um just you know the the, the 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 touch can be like really soothing and then just the being in someone else's presence or even having a having a blow dry like having a haircut just be again like having someone's undivided attention um can just be really really soothing um it's certainly better to go and have an hour-long massage for 50 pounds than it is to go and sink a bottle of wine and you know if, you, if you're drinking um every day like that costs a lot more than having one massage a week doesn't it so yeah it's nice to, be able to treat yourself and I would add, um, you know, go into a nice class, any kind of class, look on meetup.com or Eventbrite. You know, sometimes if you're not sure, you know, what's going on in your area, you can just look things up. For instance, I, I sometimes look on meetup and look at wellness things that are going on or like find my Zen, you know, something, you know, wellness orientated. But taking yourself off, off to maybe even a yoga class can be so nourishing mm -hmm. for, you know, your because when you're doing yoga, you're pretty much always in parasympathetic state. So, yeah. you know, obviously it's not the um, it's not the endorphin side of, of exercise. It's the conditioning of the body and of the, the vagal nerve as well, because you're in you're breathing with the movement. So you're in you're in that parasympathetic zone. So, you know, like you say, or even just having a bath or or you've got something planned for that evening and you're dreading it and you don't want to go saying no. That's that's another form of self-care, as I'm sure your listeners will fully, fully appreciate, you know, saying no, and then feeling that lightness inside when you you have prioritized yourself because you, you know that thing was going to make you feel anxious. So sitting at home instead and doing something that you want to do, or just laying on the couch and watching your favorite you know Netflix show, enjoying Jomo, the joy of missing yes. out. Sometimes that can just be wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> love it. <laughs> oh, um, amazing. Oh, you've really 
really re-inspired me um, today, Danielle. I love the way you explain things. You're so articulate. Um, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and anyone listening, um, if you want to reach out, uh, if you're going through a shamanic death, um, then please reach out. Um, I've got group coaching and one-to-one coaching options that can support you. And I'm sure if you were to send Danielle a DM on Instagram, she'd be happy to chat to you too. Um, so Danielle, can you just remind people listening where they can find you online if they want to connect? Yeah, sure. So as you said, on uh, Instagram and all my DMs are always open. So I've got a public profile and anybody can message me. Um, So it's DC. So uh, DC Delta Charlie, (laughs) do the phonetics. Uh, DC is alcohol free with underscores underneath. So DC underscore is underscore alcohol underscore free. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on today, Danielle. And um, yeah, I'm sure I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you so much, Annika. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to me today. If you would like to have the chance of winning a free one-to-one coaching session with me, then I'd love it if you could leave me a five-star review. All you need to do is take a screenshot of the review and send it to me at thrive at coachingbyannika.co.uk and I would love to connect with you. If you would like to connect with me further and you'd like to download my free guide, then please go to my website and you can do that and you'll be added to my mail list. Or if you would just like to book in a free discovery call with me, then you can do so via my email address or through my website. All of these links will be in the show notes. And I hope you have a wonderful, magical, sober week. And I will see you this time next week.